Thank you, JT, musicians. Beautiful. JT doesn't know this, but back years ago, that was one of my favorite songs. It was a song I sang to the Lord in my private time. Uh, I've got some others rotated in there now, but that song I sang for many years to the Lord. And thank you, JT. That's beautiful. By the way, as JT mentioned, we had a new face up here, and uh, that was Ethan Cavanus, and Ethan did a great job. Thank you, Ethan, and uh, beautiful singing this morning to everyone. Well, you see there, Isaiah chapter 14. So find your place there. Now, if you got your Bible with you, be sure you open your Bible, and let's look at it together. We're going to kind of move around a couple of different passages that are important, so uh, keep your Bible open. and. Uh, watch with me. If you don't have a Bible with you, then the words will be on the screen as well. We're in this series, The, uh, the Unseen World. And that, of course, uh, J.T.'s song is very relevant. We're guided by an unseen hand, aren't we? God's great love and kindness to us, and he guides us through this weary land, and we praise him for it. We've talked about angels the last two weeks. This is part three in this series. I want to talk about Satan, our enemy, the devil, the deceiver, the liar, the father of lies, as Jesus said. And we're going to look at his origin and his demise as well. And so let's take, uh, let's take one verse here in chapter 14 and verse 12. And it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Pray with me. Father, thank you for our time together today. Make it profitable, I pray. Teach us from your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This uh, past week, I read an article about the uh, satanic temple. And uh, the article starts out like this. The satanic temple recently opened an after-school, quote, Satan club in Moline, Illinois, in an elementary school, as part of its nationwide campaign to push back against Christian good news clubs offered to uh, school children after regular hours. A Satan club in a school after hours. Now as the article went on and explained that the, uh, this uh, satanic temple, this particular group, are atheist, or as they like to call it, uh, non-theist. They don't believe in God, but they also, they say, they do not believe in the devil. They don't believe in a literal Satan. They believe Satan is symbolic of uh, opposition to God, and they're certainly in opposition to God. It's funny, though, if you're an atheist and your symbol is is because you're in opposition to God, but you don't believe there is a God. There's a little bit of irony in there. And, and so they want to teach children 
to be good citizens, to be a good person, and to show them that uh, uh, you can be a good person without following Christian rules. So that's, they, they really have a disdain for Christianity and uh, for the teaching of Christianity. They believe that your body belongs to you and you should be able to do anything sexual with it that you want to do. So they promote all kinds of sexuality outside of marriage, homosexual sexuality, of course, and all of the variations today. They promote that and teach that. I wouldn't want them teaching my children, would you? But even, in, in the, even though they say they're only going to teach children to be good citizens and good people, they don't believe in Satan, they say. Here's some interesting other articles about them. Before I get to that, though, let me tell you how they've grown. They started in 2013. In 2016, they had their, uh, uh, their home headquarters in Salem, Massachusetts. Now there's 22 cities in the U.S. that have charter uh, satanic temples. There's two in Canada, and there's one in the U.K. So it has spread pretty quickly since 2016. Here's something that uh, they put together in Detroit. It was a gathering that included dance music, quote, a porn room, pornography room, for people to come by and view pornography, I guess, in a, in a group setting. A Princess X and a wine ceremony that involved three naked participants. End of quote. Here's another one. The uh, Satan Satanic Temple said about the after-school program, we're coming out to say, and I'm quoting now, we're coming out to say how happy we are because now our satanic children can pray to Satan in school, end of quote. Well, if you don't believe in Satan, why would the children pray to Satan? Doesn't make sense, does it? They also have a huge statue. I'm only going to leave it on the screen shortly, but I, want, I did want you to see it. They have a huge statue of Satan, nine feet tall, and uh, with a goat head, pentagram, and so forth. And then two children looking up at this satanic statue with admiration and, and love. This statue has been moved around to Detroit and also to Arkansas, but it is stationed, uh, stationed in uh, Salem. So instead of leaving that up there, I'm going to leave this screen up there while I talk a little more about them. Amen? But here's some other things they have done. And uh, they really, as I said, despise Christians. One Christian pastor they really hate they went to his mother's grave and did a ceremony where they had two gay men kissing over the top of the grave. 
and then two gay women kissing over the top of the grave, and then some incantation was said, some spell type thing was said, and then the leader of this group, now the founder of the whole group was here, and he put his privates on the headstone of this woman, and this ceremony was supposed to uh, was supposed to change the sexual orientation of the person in the grave. Can you imagine that? And they say they're just atheists. And then the uh, on one occasion, one ritual that was in Detroit. There was an invocation ritual, a destruction ritual, and a bloodletting ritual. And then they said afterwards, we had a bloody good time. End of quote. So if you see and read articles where it says this group doesn't worship Satan or follow Satan, then... They may not directly do so, but they're certainly doing Satan's work. And you know what they stand for. And so when they try to say they're just good citizens, that's not all the truth. Satan, as Hal Lindsey said, Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. He really is. He likes to work behind the scenes. He doesn't want you to talk about him and so forth. He likes to work behind the scenes because he is a deceiver. And Jesus said he is a liar. Now, I want us to look at our text. Starting in verse 12. This text, and a text we're going to look at in a few minutes, in Ezekiel, Church leaders for most of the church age have believed these are references to Satan. Uh, Tertullian, who wrote about the uh, 200 A.D., 150 years after the time of Christ, he was called the, the Latin church father. He was, he was called the... Uh, uh, the father of Western theology. He believed that these two passages spoke about Satan. So did uh, Gregory the Great. Now, I'm not talking about our Gregory the Great. We've got one of those too. But I'm talking about an early church father that lived about 500 A.D. And he too taught, so the church fathers taught this, and most evangelical, most Bible believers today understand these two passages to be about Satan. I want to point out a few things about before we even read. There are five I wills that come from Lucifer. Look at your screen for a moment. He says, I will ascend into heaven. Now we're going to read it in just a moment. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars probably referring to angels. And uh, so he wants to be exalted above the other angels. I will set upon the mount of congregation. He wants to be in charge not only of God and the angels, but of mankind. 
I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Five I wills that are in this passage here regarding Satan. Now let me give you the background of the passage. Jeremiah, God speaks to Jeremiah and tells him to speak to the king, the leader of Babylon. And so he does so. In the first 11 verses, you have, we don't have time to look there, but it's extremely interesting. You have a, a word of God to the king of Babylon in that day and also to the king of Babylon in the future day, which is the Antichrist. And uh, then when we get down to verse 12, we come to the power and energy behind the Antichrist, and that is Satan himself. And uh, this description is given to us. Notice again uh, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven? Jesus quotes this verse in the New Testament, and he attributes it to Satan. So we know Lucifer is Satan. That was his name before the fall. Now if you've got a newer translation, it may translate it instead of Lucifer, it may translate it the morning star, which is what the word Lucifer means. I think it is important that it be translated as a name, for it was the name of, the, uh, of uh, Satan before the fall. And then it says, How art thou cut down to the ground, which thou, which thou that weakened the nations? You had, you had the power to tear apart nations and provoke them to war against each other, but now you're cast down. Then in verse 13, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Again, the angels of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, not only over the angels but over mankind. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. But here's what God says to him. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now notice that word pit because we're going to come, we're going to see it again in the close of the message. He's eventually going to be cast down into the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee. They'll barely consider you. They'll barely, I mean, you were this, you were uh, exalted yourself to a place of greatness, but in the pit, those who are there, they will barely notice you. And notice it says, and uh, they will barely cons consider thee or narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms? In hell, he'll just be another lost, punished angel. And then in verse 17, That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. That's probably during the tribulation period that opened not the house of his prisoners, those he imprisoned with uh, drugs and alcohol and immorality and, and all kinds of sin. He imprisoned people and he would not let them go. Now this gives us a little insight into Satan and why he fell. Look at the uh, New Testament in 1 Timothy 3. It's talking about bishops, elders, pastors. 
And it gives us some qualifications for pastors. It says they should not be a novice. They shouldn't be new to the faith. They shouldn't be new uh, and, and so forth, a novice, a beginner. Less, uh, less being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. So it was this pride. I will be exalted. I will push myself forward. I will be on top. I will be equal to the Almighty himself. This was his fall, to be puffed up. By the way, that's not only true of pastors. It's true of all of us Christians. One of the great snares that Satan snares people in is pride. Self-exaltation. Satan certainly was that way. Now, you got your Bibles open. Turn over to uh, Ezekiel. Now, you'll, you'll pass Jeremiah and Lamentations. So it's very close. Right after Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 28. I want you to look at this passage. And in verse 11 it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyrus. Now, we pronounce that Tyre today. The, the old King James pronounces it Tyrus, but that is the kingdom of Tyre. So, he says, take up a lamentation against this king. By the way, prior to this, in the early part of this chapter, too, he was talking to the ruler of Tyre. And again, it's a picture of the Antichrist. Now he comes to verse 11 and he's talking to the king of Tyre. So there was a leader of Tyre, but there was someone behind that leader who was giving him strength and success. And it was, of course, Satan himself. So who is this king of Tyre? Is it... Is it really Satan? Well, uh, I want you to look at this screen for a moment. Is the king of Tyre Satan here in this text? Here's some reasons why I believe it, it's referring to Satan and why I think you'll see why you would believe the same. He was, it's said twice in this context, he was created. The king of Tyre was born just like I was born, and just like you were born. But it says this person we're talking about here was created. And then it says he was in the garden, the garden of God. Tyrus was not in the garden of Eden, but you and I remember Satan was there, disguised as a snake, deceiving mankind, and telling his lies. The person here was... In Eden, the garden of God. The person here is also called an anointed cherub. You remember when I gave you three classifications of angels, seraphims, cherubim, and uh, uh, an archangel. Well, this is the singular for cherubim. Cherub, the plural cherubim. So he's called an angel. Uh, Tyrus, the king of Tyre, was never called such. 
And he was up on the holy mount of God, which speaks of God's presence and probably a reference to heaven itself. Perfect in all his ways. Well, uh, the king of Tyre was certainly not perfect because the Bible teaches us there are none perfect, none good. But there was somebody who was perfect before iniquity was found in him, and that is Satan. He was perfect in all his ways, and then he was cast out of the mountain of God. He was cast out again. Jesus said, I saw, I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. So, with those reasons why we believe this is a reference to Satan, let's look back at the text now. Verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation unto the king of Tyrus, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Thou sellest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. You fill up the sum. That is, you, you, are, you go to the limit. You're to the absolute limit. You fill up the sum of all wisdom and all beauty. That... Uh, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, that is, uh, on his clothing. The sardis and topaz and diamond and beryl and onyx and jasper and sapphire and emerald and the carbuncle and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee. Musical instruments, it was like musical instruments were inside of him. He was probably a great singer. It says, this took place, last phrase, in the day that thou wast created. Remember, the angels were created by God, not birthed like you and I are. Verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth or that protects protecting the throne of God. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, heaven. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. It's hard to, it's hard to understand the meaning of this. We have very little else in the scripture to give us an idea except sometimes when people saw heavenly Beings like uh, Elisha's servant, he saw them as chariots of fire. And so this is maybe some kind of reflection of God's glory in heaven that he walked among this glory. Verse 15, thou wast perfect. Notice he keeps saying you were, you were perfect, but not now. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. There's the second time it says that he was created till iniquity was found in thee, till he was lifted up with pride, and this iniquity was found, and he was cast out of heaven. And then verse 16, By the multitudes of thy merchandise have thy filled uh, the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. So he was cast out as now one who is dirty and filthy and profane, cast out of heaven, the mountain of God. And then he says, I will destroy thee 
O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up. There's that idea of pride again. Your heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom. That perfect wisdom he had at the beginning is now corrupted. Uh, by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will say, uh, I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. In hell itself, the kings will behold Satan there with them. Now, look at a couple of New Testament passages to help us understand this a little better. Here's where Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's when he was cast out of heaven. And then in Revelation 12:4, it says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now this is, though Revelation is in the future, this little section here in chapter 12 goes back a little bit and talks about the birth of, of a male child, which would be Christ, and the woman who gave birth, which is Israel. And, uh, and in this passage, a red dragon is des described for us, and then the red dragon is identified for us in the text. He is Satan, that old serpent that has deceived the whole world. So this was his fall described here in these two Old Testament texts. But it says he brought a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Well, often the word stars refer to an angel. In chapter 9 of the book of Revelation, a great star fell from heaven to the earth and then he's identified later as an angel. And so... I believe, and most scholars, Bible scholars believe, that when he failed, he took with him one-third of the angels that God created. As a dragon, he drugged them with his tail. As Satan, he convinced them to go with him. And thus we have the devil and his angels, or demons, as they're called. Now, I'm not going to speak too much about demons I'm just going to give you something quick here and I'll come back to that next week the Lord willing created angels here we have all angels are created angels as we talked about previously but there are two different major groups there's the unfallen angels the ones we talked about the last two weeks and then there are fallen angels Fallen angels are the ones we just read about being cast down to the earth like stars in the tail of a dragon. Among the fallen angels, there's two major groups. One is active demons uh, who are in the world today. Now, they were very active in Jesus' day, but they're very active today as well. And I'll, I'll tell you why, we see less, why I think we see less of demonism uh, as far as possession I'll speak about that next week. But among the uh, 
fallen angels, there's the active demons, and then there's the confined demons, or we might say imprisoned demons, and they're imprisoned in two different places. The Bible tells us they're imprisoned. Some of them are in Tartarus, and some of them are in the pit or the abyss, as the word pit means. Now, when we get to the place in the unseen world study where we're looking at unseen abodes, we're going to look at this abode of Tartarus and the pit, along with Hades and so forth. And so that will be coming. Now, I want you to get in your mind because there are different ideals about where demons come from. But I want, I want you to see that demons are fallen angels. Here's a couple of verses that that concrete that. Revelation 12 says, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Here the demons are called angels. They're obviously demons. They're going out with Satan. But they're called angels. Satan's angels. And then Jesus himself speaking, about a judgment that is yet to come, the judgment of the nations. Uh, he says, then he will also say to those on the left hand, he will, the right hand, he had been dividing them out, the right hand were the redeemed and the left hand were the lost. He will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Here again we have the phrase, Satan and his angels. Revelation 12, here we have the devil and his angels. By the way, the word Satan means opposition. It means our enemy. The word devil means deceiver. And so he's called, uh, he's called the devil and his angels. Now there is the origin of Satan and his demons. Now I want to look at the demise. So turn with me. And I, you've got time to turn. We're going to look at several passages. So turn with me to the book of Revelation. And uh, the last of the book, Revelation 19 and 20. You've got time to find it. In the earlier chapters... The tribulation was described, the great tribulation was described, and all the plagues and so forth that go with it. But when we come to verse 19, we come to a glorious passage of Scripture. Look at uh, chapter 19 and verse 11. John's the one writing and speaking here. He says, And I saw, that's John saw, heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. This is the return of Christ to take control of the earth he created. And by the way, all of those atheists and non-theists will be 
shocked when this happens, won't they? And all the Satanists. And the armies that were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? He's coming back, isn't he? He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the word of God. He's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that's his coming. Now, what takes place after his coming is what I'm really connecting to our study. <coughs> Excuse me. So go over to chapter 20 now. The Lord has come back, and then what happens next? And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit. There's the word pit again. Remember, we saw where that character uh, in the Old Testament was going to be cast into the Pit. And here it is again, the bottomless pit. And he had a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. One angel, Satan with all of his power and all of his bragging and all of his evil, just one angel bound him. It's not because this particular angel was wonderful or big or glorious, but it's because all the angels answer to the Lord God Almighty. And he's the, he's the king of all the angels, and the, he's the one who uh, walks by our side. Amen? He's our friend. And so he allows just one angel to bind him and throw him into this bottomless pit. Look at verse 3. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. And a seal was set upon him and he should, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed for a season. Now it's often said, why would you turn Satan loose? There's going to be physical people without glorified bodies that will go into the millennial kingdom. So there's going to be babies born. In a thousand years, uh, a lot of people will be born. And this goes to show that even in a perfect age, people have to make their own decision. Satan is going to deceive another large group at the end of the millennial kingdom. A lot to be said there, but we're thinking more about Satan and his binding. So now jump to verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. So he gets out of the, he gets out of the pit after a thousand years. He deceives people again. And now notice uh, he is cast into the lake of fire with brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. By the way, the beast and the pro false prophet was 
the beast is the Antichrist and the false prophet is his right hand man, the religious leader of the end day Babylon. And uh, they both got cast into, the, into hell at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. They've been there a thousand years and they're still there. They didn't get burned up. They didn't get consumed. They're still there in hell suffering. Where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Wow. So that's his origin and his demise, his punishment. Turn back to chapter 12 now for just a second. One verse. I want to close with this verse in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. <coughs> Excuse me. Revelation 12 and verse 11. Now, we're talking about the devil and how he has deceived the nations and so forth and how bad it's going to be during the tribulation period. But notice this one little verse here. Verse 11, and they, that is believers, overcame him, that's Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Now we've talked about the origin and the demise. Next week we're going to talk about what's going on right now with Satan, what's going on in this age you and I are living, and how that affects us and so forth. But I wanted to close with this because not only is this true of tribulation saints, it's true of me and you as well. This is how we can overcome Satan's temptations. So look back at your screen for a moment. It says they overcame him, Satan, and he gives us three prerequisites. He says, by the blood of the Lamb. That's the first thing, isn't it? <laughs> you overcome. Be sure you know your sins are washed away. Be sure you know you're a blood-bought child of God. And then be sure your, your sins that you may commit along the journey are confessed and under the blood as well. And then when Satan comes, plead the blood. He, he, may, he may try to make you feel bad about past sins, but if you've truly confessed them and forsaken them, they are forgiven and washed away. And so plead the blood. And then also we plead the blood against Satan's attacks and temptation. I'm a blood-bought child of God. I plead the blood in this situation. And then going with that is the second phrase, by the word of their testimony. So Speak out about that blood. Let people know that uh, you're washed in the blood. And then when Satan comes, let him know you're washed in the blood. And you don't have to follow him anymore. You don't have to fall for his temptations because you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. So use the word of your testimony. And then the last thing is this. That is, they did not love their lives to the death. That is, they were willing to die for Christ. Now, hopefully you and I will never, never be put in that situation. But every one of us, even if we live in a free country like America, and even if we can worship without uh, anybody threatening our lives, every one of us should have full surrender. Fully surrender to the Lordship of Christ. 
And so that's how we can overcome the devil. Surrender our lives completely. Rest in the blood. And speak your testimony for Christ. Bow with me please. Father, I know that many here, because all of us, all of mankind has this problem. We are tempted with sin and Satan. Help us not to come obs become obsessed with Satan, but help us to remember that he is real and he is after us to devour our lives and our testimonies, to break up our families and our homes with things like immorality and anger and bitterness, alcohol. Teach us to overcome him through your blood, Lord Jesus, through our testimony and through a surrendered life. Grant it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, please. We're going to sing together. And as we do, if you'd like to come for prayer, we invite you to come.